0: What's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Our Lives in Medicine. This episode features Dr. Nicolette Finger, first year physiatry resident. Dr. Finger is a super fun lady who is passionate about medicine and passionate about life. Like most of us in healthcare, her path to becoming a physician has not been easy, but she has persevered through her adversity and made it to her destination. Tune in to learn about her journey to becoming a doctor in the field of physical medicine and rehabilitation. I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope you will too. And if you do, please feel free to share with others. Also like us on Instagram at Our Lives in Medicine and comment on the things you enjoyed about the episode and anything you'd like to hear in further episodes. And as always, if you need some good beats to study or get some work done or just catch some good vibes, make sure you listen to the intro and outro lo-fi songs and stick around for the end credits to hear the artist shout out. Hope you enjoy and hope you have a great day. Awesome. so we are with Dr. Nicolette Finger. She is an incoming PM&R resident. How's it going, Nicolette?
1: It's going good. How are you doing?
0: Oh, same. I can't complain. Like we were talking about earlier, just enjoying this pre-residency life.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. going to be tough. I'm uh, definitely enjoying this time off, but ready to get to work.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like that weird limbo. It's like I'm, I'm done with sitting around all day, but <laughs> I'm going to miss sitting around all day once residency starts, so.
1: Yep, I know it.
0: Where are you from originally?
1: So I moved around a lot as a child. My dad was um, auditing for the oil business, but um, it kind of brought us around all over. So I was actually born in Singapore, lived in Indonesia for a while, but um, kind of grew up in Texas. So I consider myself a Texan because that's where I went to high school and undergrad and medical school. So
0: (laughs) Okay, so Singapore, Indonesia, no big deal, but, you know, Texas mostly.
1: (laughs) That's pretty sweet.
0: Do you remember Singapore and Indonesia at all?
1: No, I was way too young, but um, would love to go back someday.
0: Ah, I'm sad you don't remember because those were like high on my travel list of places.
1: Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I really really want to go back.
0: Yeah, you can go so see like where you so said you were born in Singapore, you said.
1: Yes, Mount Sinai Hospital. I was born in Singapore.
0: <laughs> you have to go you have to go visit that hospital that'd be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that would be really cool.
0: I think that's probably one of the more cool Mount Sinai's. There's like a lot of Mount Sinai's. That's probably a pretty cool one. So, And let's see. So are you are you in Texas right now as you wait your time?
1: Yes. Yeah, I'm um, staying in Texas for residency. So uh, that's really what I wanted. My family is here, um, which makes it nice for me.
0: And you did med school in Texas too, you said?
1: Yes, I did.
0: Now, Texas is huge, though, so that doesn't mean you were close to them. You could have been far away during school. Was that the case?
1: Yeah, um, so they're kind of in the Houston area, and I uh, always went to school away from that. So I was always, for undergrad and for medical school, four or five hours away from them.
0: Okay, so that's like quick drive, well, decent drive, quick flight, but got enough distance (laughs) where you can leave your room messy and have a warning if they come over. (laughs)
1: That's
0: a good mix, yeah.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: Yeah, I, I uh so I'm from North Carolina and I uh I went to st- NC State so I was like at, I was near home. I was like an hour from home. And I, that that wasn't enough time where like if mom was coming, you know, you can really clean up a 20-year-old boy's <laughs> disgusting room. I didn't have enough time, so I think I would <laughs> 4 hours would have been better, but uh yeah, and then that's I went to pretty school. Pretty funny. F-
1: well, they did surprise me a couple times, so they kind of that's that
2: <laughs> yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I
0: feel like well, I feel like girls and guy boys are just different types of dirty when it comes to living. If if they are dirty, I'm not saying you are, I'm just saying if they are, it's just different.
1: <laughs> that like, is very true.
0: Like guy dirty is like, you know, the living room, uh, coffee table just covered in crap and like, you know, there's clothes everywhere. I don't know, girl dirty is just like more like cluttered in my experience. It's like, why is there so much stuff on the countertop? Yeah, it's I don't not. understand. <laughs> <laughs>
1: not actually dirty we just leave our clothes everywhere
0: (laughs) yeah well I I do that too I have like a chair in my room that's just like covered in clean clothes that I haven't put away yet so (laughs) so that's cool though and then so now you're close to home Uh, I did the same thing I'm going back to North Carolina for residency so I'm excited to be you know back in my home state I'll be like two hours away from my mom so I'm pretty excited about that
1: that's wonderful I'm sure that that feels nice
0: yeah exactly exactly what are you uh most excited about for residency
1: so I have actually been fortunate enough to meet a lot of my co-residents um, that are coming in since I did an audition rotation at the, my residency program. So I really know a lot of the faces and the names there, and I'm really excited to work with them because I know they're a great team.
0: So you did their audition there, got to know them, and like a lot of them, uh, they were your. They're going to be upperclassmen, or they are your co-residents now.
1: So both. I I know a lot of the upperclassmen, but uh, two of my co-residents actually went to medical school with me. And then another one of the co-residents was doing an audition when I did my audition. So I know um, at least half of my incoming class, which is great. And we've done a Zoom conference just to get to know each other um, for those of us who hadn't met. And everyone seems like just so wonderful to work with. uh, And I'm really excited to get started with them.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad you got to good batch there that sounds pretty cool and <laughs> yeah. then you got so it's eight deep You got your class is eight deep
1: yes eight okay. we've got a big residency program which was my preference so
0: is that the typical size for a pm and residency
1: most pm residencies are smaller than that um I think eight is one of the biggest um most have say three to five residents and you really get a lot of one-on-one time with attendings in most of these residency programs because of the small size of class. But I really wanted to be able to be paired with a co-resident, you know, on some of my rotations, uh, because I learn best when I'm with peers. So I think that, you know, that was really one of the reasons that I chose this residency program.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm excited for you. I think it's going to be a pretty sweet experience for both of us. I think that sounds awesome. What do you, you know, now that we're kind of out of it already, and is, but it's recent, what do you miss about med school, though?
1: I miss the structure of med school, actually. Um, that sounds funny, because a lot of med students would say, you know, there's no structure. You go into rotation. You don't know when you get to leave. But I felt a lot differently fourth year. Um, fourth year, you know, I was doing mostly PM&R rotations. So I was doing what I wanted. Um, I knew my schedule. I knew when I was going in and, and within a couple hours of when I would leave. And, um, I felt, you know, just really like I had a, a my mojo going, you know, and worked out almost every day. I was eating really well. Like, I felt like I was just on a really nice routine. Um, and I think I'm going to miss that, that part of it because I know residency really won't be that clean cut.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's, it's when you hit that stride of, I know exactly what I'm doing <laughs> by like the second week of your rotation, no matter what it is, you kind of know what you can and can't get away with as far as life goes. So that's, yeah. But I think maybe, I, don't, I can't speak for pm and I'm doing family, but I think it's going to be like one month of heck, hell and then the next month will be like, all right, I can I can live pretty normally right now. So hopefully. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I agree, I agree.
0: I was just talking to my buddy, uh, he's doing anesthesia in the Navy and he was telling me his schedule for like the, next, like the first couple of months, it's like ICU and then I think like ICU nights, and then, what was it? I, it was like some other thing. It was crazy. I was like, man, from now until December, he's going to have no life. So I was like, man, that sucks. Oh my
1: goodness.
0: I was like, you're the one who wanted anesthesia, though. So, you know, no one to blame yeah, but yourself.
1: Is, yeah. So for PMNR, we do for the first year, uh, we don't really do a lot of PM&R. My program is unique in that we get one month of PM&R. Most people don't even get that in their first year because we really are trying to set a foundation but most of my mine will be, um, like a mix between ortho clinic. And, um, so I gotta get that PM and R feel, I can see them before their surgeries after their surgeries or, or maybe prevent a surgery altogether. And then I get, um, four months of ICU and medicine. So it'll be a nice mix of things for me.
0: That sounds pretty cool. And your, is your program categorical where you didn't have to go somewhere else for that one year?
1: Yes, it's categorical, which is another reason I chose it. Um, I think that really can benefit you a lot. And I I hope more programs move towards categorical because knowing your team from year one, I feel like is pretty important. And you really get to know, you know, the EMR system by doing a year with the medicine team, you get to know the medicine, you know, uh, residents and attendings that you will be consulting and working with later. In your uh, residency and so i think that a categorical program can really benefit a lot of people
0: i wonder why other specialties don't do it that way very often like you know like radiology gas whatever you have to do your ty year somewhere and then come back i mean like you said getting that you know understanding of the system the people everything else i mean that's it's, it's a kind of not a i don't think that's a great move i don't think it's a great system i think like you said categorical is definitely the, the move it's unfortunate
1: Yeah and I think a lot of programs are trying to go that way. I know a lot um, like I interviewed at a lot of programs that were not categorical per se but they had their um, spots kind of saved in in their own internal medicine prelim year or their own transitional year um, that they kind of put their, their students in even though they didn't own that part of the program. So I know that that's possible to still have a categorical experience in an advanced program, but it's obviously, um, you know, not as easy to do as going into a categorical and then, you know, you're there for all
0: four years. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's gotta be tough. I mean, I'm, I'm glad for you. You don't have to do that. So that's, that's lucky. (laughs) So, um, what made you pick PM and R?
1: So I actually came into medical school wanting to do OBGYN. Um, and I I did my ob rotation, and I didn't dislike it, but I didn't come home excited. I I guess I just didn't find what I was looking for in that specialty. And so I started looking around, asking my friends, you know, what other specialties do you think would fit me? And one of my friends was matching into PM&R, and he said, you know, why don't you just check it out? Here's my the name of, and email of my mentor, and just want to set up a meeting with him and go talk. So... That's what I did. And I, I remember walking into his office that day. And um, his name is Dr. Omar Salad. He, he is a mentor for a lot of, a lot of students um, at my school. And I just started picking his brain. And he actually told me, do a pm rotation with me and I'll change your mind. You will come to pm and And so I said, challenge <laughs> accepted. <laughs> <laughs> and um, within the first week of my rotation, I knew it was for me because That's of the work crazy. but mostly because I was coming home wanting to like call my friends and family and tell them about this crazy specialty that I'd never heard of that I loved so much and all the great work we were doing um, and I think that when you're that excited about something you know it just speaks to you and it doesn't really matter you know what else you thought was gonna go go or where else you thought you were gonna go in life but um, it kind of steals the moment you know
0: yeah you know it's it's interesting. First of all, it's really funny that the, your mentor said that <laughs> and convinced you right away. But it's funny that you know, PM&R is such a competitive – it's getting more and more competitive, but yet it's also still super unknown. Uh, like you said, yes. you hadn't known anything about it. What what was it about it? Do you remember any like specific case or anything during that rotation with the mentor that kind of just flipped you and made you understand or was it kind of just everything overall?
1: So I think it was definitely – a mix of things. But what really got me was that we had so many patients come see us who had been to other specialties and they had gotten treated and they, you know, were better and they were healthy, but they still couldn't be independent in their own life. And so even though they were quote unquote cured or their surgery had been completed, they weren't done with their journey in medicine. And they still couldn't feed themselves or put in their own catheters or walk or go to the grocery store. And they were dependent on other people. And then when they leave your office, they leave with hope, you know, knowing that maybe I can do all this on my own, or maybe I only need a little bit of help and I can really do, you know, the rest on my own. Um, and I think quality of life is so important. And I know it's been a big topic of conversation in medicine in the past few years, but I find that PMNR is really the you know, the quality of life specialty, that's what we do for our patients is we increase their quality of life by bettering their function. And so I just fell in love with that.
0: That's awesome. I think that's really cool. And it sounds like it's going to be really rewarding. I mean, I feel like when you have a specialty like that, those long nights that you might endure during residency still be really worth it. So that's, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited.
0: What was it? You you started out wanting to do OB-GYN. You said, what was it that initially drew you to OB-GYN?
1: So I always wanted to be a doctor probably since I was 10, but I didn't actually know why. I think it was one of those things, that I just liked the idea. Um, And so I was kind of playing around with, oh, what what kind of doctor would I want to be? No one in my family is a doctor, but I just kind of, I guess, liked the idea of it. And so in undergrad, I somehow ended up working as a workshop leader for the NIH's body project. So it was a, project for um, women with eating disorders. And I led classes for these women on how to basically overcome the cognitive dissonance of, um, you know, wanting to be thin or wanting to be uh, or wanting to eat less. And so I developed these really great relationships with these women. And for me, I felt like that was going to translate into ob I said, I love women's health. And so therefore I, I love OB-GYN, but I, I don't think that for me that, I found what I was looking for in women's health in that field. So, um, you know, I I, I veered it in a different direction, obviously. But
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool, though. I was just kind of curious what started you on one path and then completely changed the path yeah. all around. That's cool, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So what, what about like day to day during your auditions? What were those like?
1: So most of my auditions were a mix of inpatient and outpatient pm So on inpatient, I'd get there and we would round on our patients who had either maybe come out of surgery or um, had a car accident and were recovering from that. Maybe they had a stroke or a brain injury and we'd round on them and come up with a rehab plan for them. And I love inpatient because we get a lot to work with um, PT, OT, speech therapy, uh, social workers. I mean, you name, you name it. We have every you know specialist and professional on board, ready to help with your patient. Um, An outpatient was a little bit different. It was like sports injury complaints, or maybe it was a follow up on somebody who had a brain injury or a stroke in the past. But um, auditions in PM and R are very, um, let's see, how do how do I put this? The people are very welcoming. So you'll never feel like you're being pimped or you're, you're being, you know, challenged against the other students you're rotating with. A lot of the times I just felt like they wanted me to learn more about their program more than anything. And they wanted to see that I was curious and interested. Um, so I never really felt a ton of pressure. I just showed up and did my work and, you know, was excited to be there. And I think that that's really what made my fourth year. So amazing.
0: That sounds great. And how many auditions did you do?
1: I did a lot. So a lot of people will tell me I'm crazy, but I did four. And <laughs> I did four because yeah, I did four because I wanted to stay in Texas and I really wanted to see the programs that um, were offered to me in Texas. So I, you know, I, I really wasn't worried about burning out. I know the people in PM&R are super nice and that, you know, I it would just be like showing up for any other rotation, except now I'm, you know, a little bit more pressure, but um, I don't regret it at all. My residency advisor, we have one at our school that advises us. She told me, this is not a good idea. You're going to be burnt out. You know, it might be better to stick with two or three, but I went with four and I loved it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and you got to kick ass all, at all four of those, you know, so that's <laughs> yeah. cool though. And then, so the interviews sound like, they I mean, excuse me, the auditions sound like they were very personable, kind of just like, here's PM&R, here's what we can do for you. What were the interviews in PM&R like?
1: So most of the time I felt like I was just having a conversation with my interviewer. Um, they would usually start off with a couple of um, questions that were pre-written. The typical things like, you know, what are your biggest strengths and weaknesses? Or, you know, what do you think you can offer to our program? But usually what happened is after two or three of those questions, I would say something that would spark a conversation and we would just kind of take off with it. So sometimes we'd end up talking about my hobbies. Sometimes we would um, talk about my research. Or uh, I think, again, one, we talked about what hope means in medicine. And you know, my interviewer and I just got on this long philosophical conversation about what hope means in medicine. So I think it really just felt like a conversation to me, and I hear that a lot from other people who interviewed in PMNR.
0: So more just kind of conversational, not attacking you, not, not anything else. Kind of, it just sounds like it kind of goes with the vibe of the auditions almost.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you know, people in PMNR have that. Most people have that attitude where they they really want to know you and and want you to learn. Um, and so it's not you know it's a competitive field in that they want you to fit the the um, attitude of the the specialty, and they want you to have a genuine heart and 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 work ethic. but they don't figure that out by beating you down and pimping you. They figure it out by getting to know you truly.
0: Mm, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. What what can you learn by embarrassing someone in front of a group of people versus exactly. uh, you know having a nice conversation? I feel like that's a lot more insight into that person. So yeah, that's a good point. That's cool. And how many interviews did you do?
1: So I was going for twelve. I ended up only doing eleven because the twelfth that I had scheduled, I didn't feel like was going to be a good fit for me, and I felt like I had done a good job at the eleven and felt like my program was within those 11. So um, I think that was a good number. I think a lot of the times, especially in PM&R, we're scared into doing so many. Uh, There's this magic number 12 that everyone tells us that, you know, if you get 12 interviews, you're 99% likely to match. And so for me, that was always in the back of my mind. Like, what if I get, what if I only do 11 and then I don't match? Am I going to be mad (laughs) at myself for not doing (laughs) the 12, you know?
0: The 11 it's like, oh man, but yeah.
1: (laughs) Exactly. But I think, you know, one, there's something to say about if you can get 12 interviews, your uh, application is probably competitive enough that you don't actually need to go to all 12 and you can leave those to other people, right? But also that, that really you know if you find all you need is one you need one program that loves you that wants to be with you or wants to be with you that's like a relationship like wants you to be there and that's it that's all you really need you know
0: yeah that's true it's like uh when I was applying to med school back in the day my mom would always say look all you need is one so <laughs> that's exa- exactly that's exactly it so that's fun that's kind of funny so I think you know when we talked on the phone I told you when I was when we were in school I was uh I was on the executive board for the PMNR club at my school because I kind of I started out wanting to do either trauma or cardiothoracic surgery decided that wasn't me pretty quickly and then I was like oh PMNR for sure and then ended up changing to family so I can go into sports med I know you can go sports med from PMNR too but um, it's just interesting how many people didn't know about PMNR so like at our uh, what is it like specialty fair or whatever, people would be like, hey, what is this specialty? And it's, it's, it's interesting how good of a specialty it is, how loving and caring most of the people in that specialty are. But it's so unknown yet so competitive at the same time. It's interesting. Um, and so I'm glad you found it. And I'm glad that it's kind of taken you in and put, put you under its wing in a good way.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's competitive because there's not as many spots as, say, internal medicine or family. Um, we only have 80 programs or maybe 82 now. Um, and it is growing. More spots are opening. But, you know, the people who want to do PMNR and r are um, a very special type, I feel like. You know, we're not competitive in the sense of board scores or research or anything like that. But it's competitive because there are only so many spots and there are, you know, however many people want to do it. Uh, for my school alone, we had 16 people apply to PMNR. We had 16. Well, out of a class of 210 so um which was is pretty big considering most schools send one or two students or maybe none to P M N R.
0: That's true actually. I think my class maybe had like 7.
1: That's pretty big. Yeah, that's pretty big though compared to most.
0: Don't get me wrong, I might be way under or way over, but I feel like I remember like <laughs> 7. <laughs> so
2: um
0: <laughs> that's cool though. You know, maybe in your own words you could just describe for people listening since it is such a low key um specialty what exactly is like a physiatrist like can you just describe it in your own words
1: yeah so um if i just said it in one sentence is we help people's quality of life by improving their function but going more deep into that you know there is acute care and there's post acute care so acute care would be if you have a stroke a brain injury or a car accident you know name it you're gonna to need to go to the hospital and get acute care by emergency physicians, internal medicine physicians, family physicians to stabilize you. But what is left after that? So once you're stable and your you, your stroke has been managed, you know all of the symptoms have been um, managed with that, you have to still recover, relearn how to walk, relearn how to eat, all of those things. And especially if you, say have a spinal cord injury from a car accident or another accident and you can't walk or you can't use the restroom on your own. That is huge for an individual. And so what PMNR does is we take that post acute care and that's kind of ours. We help them recover from that incident. So, you know, we're not there in the emergency room and, but we start seeing them as soon as they're on the floor with the internal medicine um, physicians, and then we'll usually take them to rehab after that and help them recover.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That's a sweet definition. I like that because that kind of clears it up for me as well. Even though I was on the e-board, I still had my lack of knowledge. So <laughs> it's good to hear it straight from the, the resident's mouth. Um, yeah. So yeah, cool. That's awesome. I, and I appreciate that insight because like like I said, it's a definitely a low-key specialty that needs a lot of attention has a great patient population and hopefully anyone listening can gain a little bit of knowledge about that field from you one thing i wanted to kind of step back was i know we're talking about residency a lot what about med school itself what was your route uh getting into med school did you go straight from undergrad
1: so i did go straight to undergrad in the sense that i did not skip an application cycle but i actually graduated undergrad a semester early i came in with a lot of dual credit classes and so um, I was able to have that kind of four or five months off between undergrad and medical school, even though I didn't skip an application cycle. And then I'm, I'm, as far as my major goes in undergrad, I majored in nutritional science. So I, that was a little bit unique. A lot of people going into medicine major in biology or chemistry um, or something of the sort. But I felt like, one, if I had decided not to go to medical school then I would have been left with a degree that I really loved. I would have loved being a nutritionist as well. I would have loved that field and been able to find a job in that field. Um, But additionally, I think that, you know, we don't get a lot of nutrition education in medicine, and I felt like that was important to me. So um, I guess I say that just to say everyone's route to medicine is different and, you know, don't feel like you have to major in biology or chemistry by going, you know, to get into medical school.
0: Nutrition is a pretty sweet, thing to study, like a field of study, just because how little, there's a lot known about it, but it's not widely spread knowledge, you know, and I think that'll be an awesome additive for, you know, rehab and pretty much anything. There's, there's never a time where nutrition's not beneficial to a patient. So, um, exactly. maybe if you're a pathologist, maybe, but other than that, or radiology <laughs> maybe, but other than that, nutrition's always important. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, uh, did you enjoy kind of like that, that's that particular field of study?
1: I did. Yeah, I I've, I've always been interested in nutrition. Um, I think in general, you know, holistic health in general is a is a big interest of mine and it plays a role in, you know, why I have the hobbies I do and um, why I eat the way I do and exercise. And so that, you know, degree just really fit me and, and allowed me to explore those a little bit deeper.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And let's see. You When we talked on the phone, you also told me you lived in Italy for a couple months.
2: Yes.
1: So in between that, um, since I graduated a semester early, I actually just picked up and and moved to Florence, Italy for four months. Um, It was an amazing experience. And I lived with nine other girls in an apartment that had maybe five total rooms. It was probably a thousand square feet. (laughs) And uh, two bathrooms. So it was a unique experience, but I really got to know, you know, people from all different cultures and because a lot of those, you know, women were traveling in from other countries or other cities and um, they wanted to travel. They wanted to see Italy. And so we would sometimes travel together to nearby European countries or I would um, travel alone. Most of the time I, I traveled alone and I learned a lot about myself. You know, you learn a lot about yourself when you're, say, in the middle of, uh, you know, Sicily, Italy and walking on a street with no cell phone connections.
0: <laughs> so yeah, there's um, a lot of self-discovery.
1: <laughs> yeah, you definitely, you know, learn a lot about how you handle difficult situations or handle just being alone with your own thoughts. And so I, I loved having that time. I think if, if anyone, you know, if that's not possible, if you can take a gap year I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, for me, this worked out where I didn't have to take a gap year and I was able to have this experience, but I think, you know, doing something before medical school is only going to make you more well rounded once you get there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Nothing wrong with going straight in. If you think that you can handle it, but nothing wrong with taking time. Obviously it's better to take time off since I took time off. I say that obviously. So, uh, (laughs) you know, but, um, it's, uh, I know for me personally, I don't think, you know, I applied my, I guess, junior year or maybe I took five years in undergrad because I switched majors. But I think I can't remember. I applied twice in undergrad, though. But I think if I had gotten in either one of those times, I don't think I was ready. I think I yeah. needed to because I took a year off and I, a year and a half and I work and I did a master's program as well. And I think that time for me was absolutely necessary to get through. But that doesn't mean everyone needs time off. That doesn't mean everyone needs to do a master's. So like you said, everyone's story is unique. It's just uh, hopefully we can all get there and get through in one piece. That's the main thing that matters.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I'm sure, you know, all the experiences you had and everything you learned in your master's program, you know, it's only going to make you a better doctor.
0: Yeah, it was a master's program was really fun. I got to go back home. I left. I worked at University of Miami. I left and went back to NC State for the master's. And it was so cool to be back, like, in college after working for that long, you know, for like, I've worked for like, (laughs) it was like over a year I worked at UM and it's like, oh man, getting up, you know, getting off at five, fighting traffic for an hour to get four miles down the road to my house. You know, it was just terrible. And so it was (laughs) nice to go back to school for a little bit. So what about you during, you know, first and second year of med school? What were some classes that you loved, classes that you hated?
1: So... First and second year of medical school was so difficult for me. Um, I really loved uh, re- reproductive and endocrinology, loved pulmonology, um, really anything that had to do with physiology, I lo- I loved because my nutrition degree had really prepared me for that. I mean, in nutrition, a lot of people don't know, but we really study um, physiology very deeply. And so I was prepared for those classes, but there were some things for example, and I don't usually tell a lot of people this, but I'm already in residency. So I guess it doesn't matter. But I failed my first class of medical school. And that completely rocked my world. Like I had no idea what to do after that. And, you know, obviously, I did better because I got through the first two years. But it wasn't easy. I have always been even as a pre med student, I have always been that person that has to study twice as hard as the guy next to me. To get the same grade as he does, um, and I don't know if it's my study strategy or the way I, you know, the way I go about learning something, but it's always been that way. And so, um, yeah, I can't say I I did not like first and second year of medical school, but I thrived in third and fourth year. So mm-hmm. I think that that's you know I, I would encourage anybody who is going through that or is afraid of, you know, getting into medical school and how they're gonna handle their didactic years to just keep moving forward because every year of medical school gets better. You get better, you get smarter. Um, and third and fourth year is such a big breath of fresh air.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like, like fresh (laughs) air is exactly it. And you know, it's funny because I did, I I kind of have a similar story. I, um, you know, I want to go into sports med. And so I was Mm -hmm. like, I failed MSK second year. And it's like, I was like, Oh my God, I'm never going to make it as a sports med doctor from I can't pass Mm -hmm. MSK. But it was msk rheumatology and that's what really got me was the rheumatology stuff and i tanked the first exam right and it was just i don't know what it was it was just combination of you know being stressed being in the middle of four exams and then also just it was hard and so i was like all right i gotta get i think it was like a 78 or like an 82 or something i needed on the final to pass the class you know Mm
2: -hmm. and i ended up
0: missing it by one point No. (laughs) no curve nothing and so That was in fall semester of second year. And then so I didn't, you know, we don't take the remediation until the summer. So I had to worry Mm -hmm. about that throughout all of second year. So I ended up passing it, you know, no big deal. It's just like you said, it it sucks first and second year, but you get through it no matter what. There's a lot of resources. There's people available to help you get through. And you just got to, like you said, just push through. I mean, once you get through all the nonsense, you get through the step, you get through, you know, all the classes and everything there's just like a, such a bright future waiting for you in third and fourth year and, and then beyond that you just got to make it through. So I totally agree.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think too, you know, even after failing my first exam, I definitely thought to myself, you know, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make it through? But I think it's important that if you think you're meant to be a doctor, you don't need to doubt your, you know, whether you're cut out for it. You don't need to doubt that at all, because if you want it, you can definitely get there. It just may take some roadblocks and, you know, everyone, everyone around you is going to look like they're succeeding without a problem. Like they're just breathing through, but they're not, um, they're not going to tell you, you know, I didn't tell people when I failed my first exam, I just walked into class with a smile on my face the next day. So, you know, people aren't going to share those things in the moment because it's personal and, you know, they're going through a lot, but just know you're you're not alone when you're struggling in medical school you're not alone
0: <laughs> yeah there might I'd say one percent of those people who look like they're just crushing it and not struggling are actually yeah. not struggling but the rest are definitely there's something going on and it's not to make them look bad it's just that it's just how it is medical school is so hard it's, it's impossible not to have some level of stress in it so yeah, uh, and you course. know and you know when I walked into the remediation day we all take everything at the same time and so it's like the auditorium and it was packed I was like wait you failed a class I can't believe you failed a class you I thought you were doing perfect you know (laughs) I thought you were top of our class so it's like you know there's no surprise it's not a there's nothing wrong with that it doesn't make you a worse physician in the future and it doesn't mean you're going to be great as a physician just because you didn't fail a class (laughs) so there's exactly there's so many things that go into it so yeah definitely uh I'm glad you didn't give up and kind of just push through like you said because the bright third year was definitely a lot better
1: oh it's so much better and i'm glad you didn't give up either sounds like we both had similar experiences
0: so i almost gave up at the end of first year uh i don't know what was wrong with me but i just had like a mental breakdown after first year and i went home for summer break and i wasn't coming back i told my mom i was like i'm not going back and she piled my stuff in the car and drove me back to florida for 12 hours and i wouldn't drive because i told her if i drive I'm, i'm i'm going i'm turning the car around So that poor woman (laughs) had to drive me all the way back. And I don't know what was wrong with me. I don't know what was wrong. I just, I just, I wasn't happy after first year. And it was tough, you know, and I was like, I can't do this another year. Second year is going to be even harder. And it's weird because it was more difficult, but I felt less stressed once I got into it. So I don't, I don't know what it was, but I think just pushing through. I mean, I just, I just said, like, finally, I finally kind of snapped out of it It was like, what is wrong with you? You got to get through this. You have too much debt to be able to change your, uh, <laughs> change your career path at this <laughs> point. So this, this is it, you know, you're going to, you're going to graduate and get get a job. So. Um, yeah.
1: And I yeah, bet so. looking back, you're so happy that you drove back or that your mom drove you back. You
0: know, <laughs> I'm definitely happy, you know, on May 15th, when I graduated, and I got to, I was sitting next to mom and we were doing our zoom graduation and my name popped up and, you know, she hugged me and she cried. I cried. I mean, it was, it was great. That moment, all those moments and all the late nights were totally worth it. So,
1: so worth it.
0: What was graduation like for you?
1: So, you know, we all had not the graduation that we expected. Um, I was not able to be with my family on the day that uh, we were supposed to graduate, but I did, I was able to go home a little bit later and, um, you know, we just did kind of a home celebration popped some champagne and had a family dinner um, in my parents' backyard, but it was very low key, but um, very meaningful. And I think, you know, even match day was the same way. I was very disappointed at first that we weren't going to have our big party for match day at our school. Um, But I got to be with my family, you know, sitting at home when I opened that email and really just able to spend time with them. I think it ended up being a lot more meaningful. So
0: Exactly, just kind of having that moment with your family. Um, one of one of my classmates put it put it in a way that really kind of gave me perspective on the whole graduation thing. He said that, you know, he was sitting next to his mom and dad, and he said he's never in his entire life seen his dad cry, but when his name popped up, his dad cried and gave him probably the biggest hug he's ever given him. And he said, if he had had a normal graduation sitting in the stands, he kind of would have looked around and like looked for his parents and they kind of like would have been a glimmer in the in the sea of people. But to sit right next to him, he said he got that moment and his dad would have cried then too, but he would have never known and his dad would have never told him. So uh, yeah, yeah. That it really me made goosebumps. Me, I love that. Exactly. It, it really made me appreciate just being next to my mom and, you know, having, and my dad was watching from work. Uh, he watched, he like, took time off and sat down and like logged into the zoom call and watched. So it was, uh, it was cool. It was nice. Like you said, Like, it, it, regardless of we didn't get the traditional ceremony, we still accomplished something gigantic and we got to celebrate it. And that's, that's pretty cool. So.
1: Yeah. I think so too.
0: I don't know about you, but it hasn't set in yet for me personally though. I don't, has it set in for you yet?
1: No. And I feel like I've forgotten everything. So, um,
0: <laughs> yes.
1: I, I literally keep like going every once in a while, I'll go back and read some, you know, online med ed or something just to make sure I still understand some stuff. Um, but it definitely has not set in that I'm a doctor or, you know, it, kind of, it honestly kind of feels like, I don't want to say fraud, but whenever you say, when I say like, Oh, I'm Dr. Nicolette Finger, that doesn't really sound like it yet to me because
2: yeah. I haven't
0: started
1: residency, you know?
0: exactly yeah like i've i've talked to a couple of people and in, in our situation kind of like about to be residents and it's kind of all like imposter syndrome so it's like it's like is this real yeah. am i am i really that one yet it's i think uh, my guess is when i make my first when i write my first prescription i think it'll or put my first order in that'll kind of settle in so yeah my uh my family has been calling me doc since in one year so it's kind of that doesn't <laughs> that does not really helped me uh get used to. I'm like, look, don't call me that yet. You're going to jinx me. So, you know, (laughs) calm down. But they refuse. All my cousins and aunts and stuff will call. Hey, doc. I'm like, no, (laughs) stop. (laughs) So that's funny though. Yeah. So what about third year? What did you like? I I know obviously P-Menar ended up being your jam, but were there other things that maybe you considered based on the rotation third year?
1: So I heavily considered family medicine, especially after I um, decided I wasn't going OB-GYN anymore. Um, probably because, you know, I feel like you can do so much with family medicine, really, you can take it any way that you want. Um, and I felt like with my nutrition background, I was, I would really be able to make a difference that way. So, um, I think third year is so wonderful and being able to explore why you like different specialties. And I loved that I was able to ask questions and never feel stupid because it didn't matter right with that, as long as that attending knew that I was interested and excited to be there, the the rest didn't matter. So if he thought that I didn't know enough about his specialty or or whatever, um, which none of them ever do, but you feel that way as a medical student, but that ability to be able to walk into an OR or walk into a, a patient encounter and have an attending or, another, or a resident there that you can ask any question to and pick their brains is so amazing, and that opportunity you know, it doesn't really come again after third year because fourth year, you're, you're really trying to, you know, work as on yourself as a future resident, um, and really, in, you know, kind of impress a lot of the people that you're with. Um, but third year, you don't really have that pressure on you.
0: Yeah. Fourth year, you have the third years looking at you, like, you know, everything. So you got to kind <laughs> of, got to kind of pretend that you do. Uh, yeah, that's true. And, you know, I was talking, I was interviewing a PA yesterday and I forget that you know they graduate and they jump right in and so they don't get that kind of well they have a shorter time than we do because you know even as residents it's we might not want to look unsure in front of a patient but we can look unsure in front of an attending whereas like the PAs it's like they graduate and they better have asked all the questions they had during school because uh one of the things that she told me yesterday was she gets originally early on got asked didn't you pass your boards how do you not know this and it's like "Yeah, that's tough so yeah like you said that's a good point we have that grace period of third year to really Mm -hmm. just take in everything learn about the specialties and no matter what it's like if we don't know a pimping question it is what it is you know we're not really supposed to know it anyway so that's it's probably the best time (laughs) I think that was definitely the best year best year Uh, I mean well fourth year was pretty cool too minus the COVID stuff but Definitely a good time. And what about, uh, like, one of the questions I like to ask is, you know, since you just recently graduated, how do you feel that you have changed as a person from undergrad to current day?
1: That's a really good question. I think I trust myself more. I trust my own thought process and my opinions. um, And I feel more confident discussing those with other people um, because I know you know, I think medical school teaches you really how to think. And a lot is going to change in the medical field going forward. Some things that we learned may not be correct, you know, five, 10 years from now, but it teaches you how to think for yourself um, and how to think about science and the human body, you know, and and another person's life sitting in front of you. Um, And that really changes the way you see the whole world or or interact with any other people. And so I, I guess yeah, that would be my, my answer is that I'm a lot more confident now in myself and my own opinions.
0: I like that. And that's going to be important going into residency. That's <laughs> for sure. So that's cool. What about your, I like to ask also, what do you see for yourself, maybe 10 years down the road, your future self as a practitioner?
1: So I would love to do both inpatient and outpatient P M N R. Um, a lot of the times, at least, you know, so I don't, I, haven't been able to see a ton of people in private practice. A lot of the PM&R people I've been exposed to are in an academic institution. So um, because of that, I think I have a little bit of a bias towards academic medicine, and I I would like to practice academic medicine and you know be in a residency program or work with residents and do both inpatient and outpatient. But of course, that can change as I as I get exposed to some private practices and and things like that in the future because. Really, my mentor is the only private practice um, physician, well, him and his partners are the only private practice physicians that I was really able to get good exposure to during medical school.
0: Inpatient, outpatient, and then also, I guess you kind of need a little bit more exposure to the private aspect you're saying, because it's tough to get everything, even on an audition, I guess. So that's cool, though. Yeah. What, What about outside of medicine? What do you see for yourself 10 years down the road?
1: I definitely would like to start a family and, um, you know, have a a really good family life. And of course I want to continue my hobbies. I love hiking and camping and I, I love traveling and you know, those hobbies aren't going anywhere. So, um, a good work-life balance is very important to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what are some of your like hobbies, things you do for fun when you do have a free minute?
1: Yeah, so um, I I love hiking and camping and traveling. I also really like to cook and bake. I think that kind of stems from my love of nutrition. Uh, so I like to take you know recipes that may not be the healthiest and and kind of change them, substitute out on ingredients uh, to make them healthier. And I do that a lot at home for myself and uh, for my boyfriend. So you know that's been that's definitely been something that has been a good hobby for me because one, we all have to eat anyways. And, you know, if I don't have time to do my other hobbies, like traveling, then I still have something that I really love doing at
0: home. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Being able to cook for yourself is such a key, uh, key to success. I mean, I say that because I can't, so I know how important it is (laughs) to be able to manage your own (laughs) food. Yeah. Looking at that, it's nice that the hospital I'm doing emergency does offer us meals each day so that'll save me a lot of time and money because otherwise I'd be eating out because after breakfast I'm useless I can I can make really good omelet and like (laughs) eggs and that's it so I eat eggs pretty much every morning so that's about it so that's cool though yeah free
1: residency food that's like what everyone writes down when we're all interviewing we're like how much free food do we get how much do you pay for food
0: (laughs) Exactly. You know, my place uh just changed it from unlimited to thirty-five bucks a day, which I was like, I can still do a lot of damage with thirty-five bucks a day, you know? So <laughs> I think I'll be okay. Um <laughs> yeah, I think so too. that'll save a lot of money too, so that's cool. Uh what about like let's see. Let's see. We're talking about like the hiking and stuff. Is there a lot of hiking in Texas where you are?
1: Not really. Um, there's a lot of hills, especially like and in the hill country of texas so you could get you know there's big bend national park there are, are some places to hike but usually i have to leave texas to go on a really good hiking trip and you know go to Na- zion national park or yosemite something like that
0: mm, okay well if you ever get tired of texas and you want to come to the east coast i'm, I'm going to be in the mountains in Asheville. so if you want to come hang out l- let me know
1: i would love that absolutely yeah. i've never been there
0: it's been a couple of years, but I, uh, besides the interview, obviously, but I love it up there. It's got, I think the most, one of, one of the most breweries per capita in the country, it's like f- you travel five, 10 minutes from downtown and you're deep in the woods or up near like a rock where you can do rock climbing or out in the water where you can go rafting or canoeing. So I'm just super excited about wow. that. Yeah. I'm super excited about that. But, so we um, know
1: what you'll be doing when you're not working. <laughs> oh yeah
0: man, for sure you know I so I have a dog too and I want to get one of those like human dog canoes where you can put the dog in <laughs> I want to get would one be of those amazing the only thing is my dog she's kind of a psycho and <laughs> she just she's one of the only dogs I've ever met that doesn't like riding in the car like riding in the car stresses her out When I put her in the car, you know how most dogs look out the window and they're like, oh, what's that? That's so fun. Like, oh, I'm having a Mm -hmm. good time. Hers is like protecting me. So she runs from window to window, looking out, making sure no one's there. And like, if someone walks by, she starts barking and she just freaks out. And so (laughs) same thing with like, I don't know. Like when I give her a bath, she just stands there. She stares at me no matter where I go. She stands there with her tail tucked under and just gives me the evil eye. Well, I give her a bath. She hates the water. (laughs) So I don't know, she's weird. I don't, I, th- I feel like she'll either jump out or she'll just be mad at me when we get back to land if I get one of those canoes. So we'll see what happens, but I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna, be, con- <laughs> I'm gonna convert fun. her. Yeah, I'm gonna convert her to a mountain <laughs> dog. So we'll see what happens, but um, yeah, that's funny. So, you know, another question I like to ask all my guests just as a, I think it's really fun to hear the answer is what did you get in trouble for as a kid?
1: That is a really good question. <laughs> So, um, this is, do you, do you remember those AR tests that like we all took when we were younger and maybe elementary school and stuff?
0: Yeah. Like the reading and aptitude. Whatever. Yeah. I think it was
1: like accelerated reading is what it stood for or something.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. Well,
1: my school, I was president of my like fourth grade student government, which what a fourth grader does as president of student government. I have no clue, but I was president <laughs> and, um, my friends and I all got together to get all these points. Cause you know, you took these AR tests and you'd get points and whoever got the most points, I think was going to get like a pizza party in a limo or something, you know, as a fourth grader, I was like, I need to do everything I can do to do oh, to sure. get that reward. And so my friends and I all got together and we all read each other's books. And then we would take these tests for each other. So we were cheating on AR tests Oh God! <laughs> and it was so bad. I was at a Catholic school and we all got caught. And I had to, not only did I have to write a hundred times, I will never cheat on an AR test, which took me like three or four days after school. I also, they took away my gavel for president of student government in front of the whole class.
0: Oh no, that's, that's, a, yeah. that's a crush to a fourth grader right there.
1: <laughs> that was crushing.
0: That's a crush. Yeah, I definitely learned
1: my lesson though. They, they definitely taught me early in life.
0: What is that saying? It's like you gotta. What is it? Fast and swift, or something like that. Hard and swift punishment, like teaches. Yeah, <laughs> you learned. You know, <laughs> that's so funny because it's like, as kids, that's such an innocent thing. You're like, I just want to get this pizza party, but it's like you can't. You can't take each other's test for them. that. That's that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, my cousins are. I have a set of twin cousins, and they when they were in college if one knew something better than the other, they would take each other's tests.
1: Oh,
0: no. It's <laughs> just like, they're like, all right, well, I need, I need to get this, I need to pass this class. And he's like, well, I got you. Don't worry. And so they would just take the test for each other. That's um, horrible. It's kind of, I'm sure that did not even out though. At some point, you know, you probably know something a lot better than your twin and it, uh, you end up taking double the exams and they are only taking a couple extras, you know, it kind of sucks. Yeah. But- <laughs> But yeah, that's that's really funny. Fourth grade, you losing the yeah. gavel. I can just picture that, like the stripping of mm-hmm. power ceremony. the fourth yep. graders. They
1: came in my class and they asked me to walk and bring it forward and hand it over. I never even thought about cheating ever again.
0: That's so good. That's, see, that's good. You just had one time, you know? Yeah. Uh, when I was in elementary school, they had the, I, I don't know if yours was like this, but you know, the cafeteria, you walk up to the lunch line. And you, we all had to line up, and so the the line would go around all the tables, and then you'd file into the lunchroom. But you could grab your milks ahead of time, and you you know whatever chocolate milk, whatever milk you wanted. And I used to like sneak a couple and put them under my shirt. And then, you know, one time one time like an idiot, I I was standing in line, and this kid kind of just bumped into me, and I fell forward into the little bars where that you put your tray to get your food, and all the the milk no. just ruptured. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> Uh, you know, I got That's in trouble, great. you know, I got in trouble, but they didn't, they didn't call my mom. I don't know why they didn't call my mom because they called my mom for everything otherwise, but <laughs> they, like, they, <laughs> that one, like, they you did. can
1: have this one. You got milk all over you.
0: Oh, it was terrible. I didn't have, a, I didn't have a change of clothes. So I got, I got lucky on that one, but just stupid stuff like that. And I never, I never did that again either. Just cause I was like, you know what? I don't want to get milked. I don't want to get milked yeah. again. So, <laughs> But, yeah, uh, I used to also sneak a lot of the candy at my house like my mom would hide it from me and she would put it on top of the like pantry and so I was like oh cool perfect I know where it is I would just climb the shelves and get up there and then one day I got you know not thinking I was growing and I climbed the shelf and I just like broke the shelves they just all like came tumbling down because I had gained I guess a little bit of weight probably from eating the candy but uh (laughs) the shelves came tumbling down and my my game was over I got caught like immediately obviously that is
1: hilarious never again
0: never again unfortunately so yeah <laughs> um let's see another question is if you could have anyone narrate your life who would it be
1: oh that's a good one here's my problem i don't watch a lot of movies so i'd have to say
2: hmm.
1: i think i'm stumped <laughs> Here's my problem. I don't know any actors' names.
2: What about
0: I know just their like, faces? Describe them in the movie or show you know them from.
1: Okay, I would probably. I can't do it.
2: I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think I watch enough TV. This That's is probably actually a good a problem. Thing. Yeah, this That's... is actually a problem. My boyfriend always tells me, like, because he'll make references or he'll make jokes with, um, like, you know, a lot of people will quote movies or quote shows. That's and like he'll all do that, I do. and then I'll just like, yeah, I'll just like stare at him because so I'm like I literally have zero clue where that's from like I' have <laughs> never heard that in my life,
0: so, <laughs> so like, it's
1: not funny to me
0: <laughs> that's that's a problem if his quotes are like super obscure like I do that a lot with my girlfriend <laughs> i'll I'll say something from like a random movie from like 04 that I still have memorized that's 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 his fault, but if you don't know like a big big like Tiger King reference, it's like, come on now <laughs> like if you I don't, don't know, know who- a Tiger King. Reference. Oh, I if you don't know like who Carol Baskin is, you're not gonna get I know any who jokes. That is. Okay, I know
1: right. who it is, but I yeah, I've never seen the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, I'll I'll allow that as long as you know who Carol Baskin is and that she's evil. It's good. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll let that one slide. So we'll we'll mix that one. We'll 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 skip the narration of your life. We'll just let you the, narrate that's it.
2: Good. That's we'll good. We'll let you. Oh I'll no, we'll, it.
0: we'll let Carol Baskin narrate it. That'll be cool.
2: Okay, okay. I'm yeah, that'll
0: that will be good. that will be good. So um What about a superpower? If you could have a superpower, what would it be?
1: One hundred percent, I would have teleportation, because then I could travel like, if I'm off for a day, you know.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's you could true. just go to
1: London on your lunch break or something. One hundred percent. That's what I
0: would do. Teleporting <laughs> is a good one, because it's so convenient. You yeah,
1: like you could go anywhere, you skip traffic
0: yeah you just show up did you see the movie was it jumper i think it was
1: no oh i don't know
0: why i i I don't know why i just asked you that we just any movie (laughs) we just went over this yeah well jumper is basically (laughs) these these people were born with the the ability to do that and what it means is like they can jump in uh, in space basically so they can they'll just phase from you know right now they would go from here to the eiffel tower and basically there's this group of evil people or not evil but like christian fanatics like uh led by samuel l jackson of course that go around the world Mm -hmm. capturing them so they put them in these like electronic cages that prevent them from jumping and it's a pretty cool movie so if you ever do watch a movie maybe check that one out
1: okay sounds good i'll put that on my long list of everything that my boyfriend tells me i need to watch
0: yeah i can't imagine how extensive your list must be so (laughs) that one might be a low priority all right so i got a different one i i I used to have this discussion with a friend of mine a lot, but I haven't asked it on the podcast yet. So I'm going to ask it with you. Um,
2: Okay.
0: If you could pause right now, this life and go live an entirely different life, do something completely different. Once that life was over, you would resume right now. uh, What would that be?
1: I think I would be one of those people who just travels all over and like gets paid for, you know, showing off the kind of camera there you or the hotel they're staying at, a hundred percent. That's what I would do.
0: That would be sweet. I'd be a sweet
1: skydiving one. and like jumping off cliffs and all that kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> okay, that's a sweet one. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, actually. I think if I could do it all over, I would definitely. You're, you're gonna laugh, but I would do like culinary school and just become like a boss chef. I think because I'm so bad at cooking, I would love to be able to make a living off of something I, I could get good at, you know, that would be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: And then I would also make a show out of it and be like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gordon Ramsay? Is that the guy that screams at oh, people? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I do, do that.
1: know that reference.
0: Okay. Why don't you let him narrate your life? <laughs>
1: okay, he can narrate my life. <laughs> he's, just,
0: he's just screaming at everyone that does anything wrong or like slightly <laughs> wrong. Yeah, that would be good. Or he's screaming about you. It's like (laughs) Nicolette crossed the road too early. He's just anything and everything. So that guy seems like he's a tough person to hang out with. Yeah. (laughs) So, all right, I like that one a lot. Actually, though, that's a pretty cool one. And the the fact that you had it so readily available, I like that. So
1: (laughs) I think about that a lot.
0: (laughs) I do too. You know, I had um, I had some interesting questions asked during like med school and residency interviews. That I think they thought were stump questions. But for me, we're just like, I'm ready to rock and roll with the answer. Uh, like, like
1: I've been thinking about this for ages.
0: Yeah, like one guy asked what would you, t- if you were escaping the apocalypse and you were going to a cabin, what would you take with you? And I was like, oh, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I already, I was like <laughs> rope, rope to set up a perimeter uh, and you know, like things to make booby traps with. I would take a bag of books. Obviously I'd take as many guns and bullets as I could and uh, a gas mask and blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, oh. Well, okay. You already thought that one pretty true. So That's great. Yeah. I didn't questions
1: like that. That's pretty good that you were able to answer that.
0: Well, I think it's mostly because I just sit around thinking of stupid stuff like that. That's probably why. So I don't know if it's good or not that I have answers like that just ready to rock and roll. But uh, yeah, I think it's that's... a good thing. You're ready
1: for any situation.
0: I like to be prepared for anything, you know? That's why I just think of yep. all the weird scenarios that will never happen
2: yeah
0: <laughs> let's see so another question a little bit more serious topic is a little bit more serious not too crazy but uh, okay. what's what's a lesson that people learn but learn too late
2: hmm.
1: i think it would be you know, to listen to other people's opinions and to hear other people's sides of things. I think a lot of the times as we get older, we learn that that's important, you know, to see both sides of an argument or to hear, you know, whatever you're talking about, if you're talking about politics, religion, or, you know, any other of those controversial topics, and you shut down and don't listen to the other person's side or or what they're going through in life, then you're really not going to learn anything. You know, you can... Pretty much find anything you want to support your own opinions and your own thoughts if you just google what you want to hear but um too late in life i think we learn to listen to each other
0: mm, that's a really good one i like that a lot that's a good point it's tough it's it's definitely a, a good skill to have particularly as a physician obviously listening to mm-hmm. listening skills but yeah, even socially. I mean, if you're not paying attention to what others are doing or thinking or saying, it's impossible to understand where they're coming from. And if you understand where they're coming from, maybe that can help you kind of connect or meet halfway, you know, so that's, an, I mm-hmm. think that's a great, great lesson. Yeah. Let's see. So, you know, I, we've been talking for an hour already. Can you believe that?
1: I actually cannot. It has only felt like maybe twenty minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I love it. I'm glad it goes by quick, and I've never had anyone say they were scarred for life after the interview, so that's good. Um, so
1: well, I'll just we, say it just so that I'll be your first.
0: Okay, perfect. As long as you don't mean it, you know. I thought you know. I, I don't thought you learned.
1: That.
0: You learned not to cheat, but you haven't learned not to lie yet, so it's okay. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but um, so I like to ask four questions at the end of each interview to every single guest. So we'll ask those, and then we'll get you out of here. All right. All right. All right. So just take uh, as much time as you want to fill these out and we'll go from there. So the first one is as a recent graduate of medical school, congratulations, by the way, what are keys to success in medical school?
1: So, um, like I said earlier, studying was never easy for me and it only got harder in medical school. So I think to succeed in medical school, you have to adapt your study habits and you have to learn what you're doing wrong and be able to change it. The next for your next test, you know, and even by if you're studying cardiology versus pharmacology, you have to be able to change your study habits. Um, so I would say that and then repetition. Repetition is so important in medical school, whether you use that flashcard app Anki or you, you know, go through your notes and um, repetition will get you a long way.
0: I like that. Very true. Very true. So the next question. <laughs> the next question is, was medical school what you expected?
1: Not at all. I would say that I expected it to be very similar to undergrad, and it was definitely not. I, um, you know, as you you've heard earlier, I I failed my first exam. I struggled a lot emotionally with how I was going to get through it, um, and you know, just the the tiring days every single day. But it was actually a lot better than I expected in the end because the last two years of medical school were more than I ever could have asked for.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And then the next question is, you know, now that you are a graduate looking back to current medical students and even maybe pre-med students, what would be your advice to them?
1: I would say keep moving forward. You know, everyone around you, like we talked about earlier, they're gonna all seem like they're succeeding, you know, with no problem. But every single step of the way in medical school or as a pre-med is a success. Every test you get through, every application you submit, that's a success. And so celebrate it and know that, you know, people are only going to tell you what you can do based on what they think they're able to do. I had a learning specialist tell me when I failed my first test, you know, she didn't even consider that I could do better on the next test and not fail the course. And she said, it's okay, you can remediate the, ne- the class over Christmas break. And I looked at her and I said, "That you're just assuming, you know, that I'm going to fail the next class or the next test. And I didn't. I passed. The next test and I passed the class and I moved forward and you know while most people would say that's a you just did what you got to do that was a celebratory moment for me so celebrate all the little the little steps
0: absolutely you know that kind of reminds me of one of the I saw in one of your posts it was something I really liked and like you know res- res- resonated with me it was you know something to the effect of like people telling what telling you what you can do is one of the, it's just so so annoying. It's it's so frustrating when someone says, oh, you'll never make it, you can't do this, you can't become a doctor, you can't get into med school. It's like, you don't know what we're about. You don't know our drives, you don't know our push, you know, what pushes us to do better. You don't know what we're capable of, and only we do. And it's so important not to let someone's negativity, someone who most likely undershot their own, you know, uh, abilities, underperformed, uh let let them tell you what you can and can't do don't let someone who didn't do anything themselves hold you back so i think it's so annoying and just so frustrating and it's also so rewarding when you hear that use that as fuel and then you you know get to look back and say you know you don't have to rub it in their face but you just you know they were wrong and you know that you could do it so that's it's awesome i, I totally agree.
1: yeah you know i i agree completely
0: yeah but to those people, you know, it's nice to be done. And look, look at that lady, like you're done. you not only did you, did you pass that class, you, you freaking rocked it, you know, you've got your 11 interviews, you, you, had, you had 12, you had 12, but you don't get 11 by choice. So that's perfect. Um, <laughs> exactly, I like that. So the last question is if you woke up tomorrow and you were 10 years old and you had to do everything over to get back to where you are today, would you do it all over again?
1: Absolutely. I would definitely I've learned more about myself and grown more than I ever thought possible the last four years. Um, and I would, I would, I would never want that, you know, to not be the case.
0: See, that's what I love to hear. I love that. <laughs> nice and nice and clear. Nice and concise. I love that. So that's awesome. Well, that was our, that's all I had. Is there anything else? Any other knowledge you wanted to drop anything you wanted to discuss or ask me or anything?
1: I think we covered it all. That was a really great discussion, and I, I really appreciate you having me on today.
0: Well, I appreciate your time. Sorry about the beginning of the sound issues, but we got to figure it figured out, hopefully, and it's going to be a great episode. I'm really looking forward to getting it out. I think so, too. Well, Nicolette, or excuse me, Dr. Finger, I really appreciate your time, <laughs> and I'm super excited. I'd love to have you on again, you know, maybe a year from now, see how residency is going and everything, too.
1: I would absolutely love that.
0: All right. That sounds good. Well, thank you so much again. I I really can't thank you enough. Your time for your time is a great conversation and I have nothing but hope and best wishes for you in the future.
1: And you too. You're going to be a great family doc and a great sports med doc.
0: I appreciate it. So we'll keep keep on rocking and we'll go from there. So thanks again. And I'll, I'll talk with you soon. All right. That was Dr. Nicolette Finger, incoming physical medicine and rehabilitation resident. Thank you guys so much for listening, and to those in the game and those on their way up, keep grinding, and don't let anyone take your dream away from you. I just want to give a quick shout out to the artists the intro song that was called tonight by grant butler you can find him on instagram at underscore grant underscore butler b-u-t-l-e-r underscore he's streaming on all platforms the outro song is called solitude and that's by kvmtz you can find them on fanlink.to slash kvmtz instagram at kvmtz underscore music and they're streaming on all platforms